in terms of AI, and everybody's talking about it, but there's very good reasons why everybody's talking about it. I can't possibly think of any function that could not benefit from the capabilities that are already available. Forget about what's about to come. Welcome to Technovation. I'm your host, Peter High. My guest today is Zeeshan Tariq. Zeeshan is the Chief Information Officer of Zimmer Biomet, a role he's held for roughly seven and a half years. Zimmer Biomet is a global medical technology company that's been in business for over 90 years and earns in excess of $7 billion in annual revenue. Zeeshan has played a critical role in forging a path for the company to become a healthcare solutions provider. I look forward to hearing more about the path his company's been on, and by extension, that of his team as well. Zeeshan, welcome to Technovation. It's great to speak with you today. Great to be here. Thanks for having me, Peter. It's a pleasure. Well, uh, I would love to have you take a quick moment, if you would, Zeeshan, to provide a little bit more background into Zimmer Biomed. I provided a little bit of uh, background information there, but perhaps uh, double-click a little bit for our audience, especially those who may be less familiar with the company. Absolutely. My pleasure. So Zimmer Biomed, and as you covered, we are the global leader in musculoskeletal healthcare. Uh, we've been in business for over 90 years. We operate in 120 plus countries. We're Fortune 500 companies. But one thing that is particularly of importance that I think it's worth uh, repeating here for your audience is our mission, which is to alleviate pain and improve the quality of life for people around the globe. And we're incredibly proud that every eight seconds, somebody around the globe benefits from our therapies. Very exciting and very, very interesting indeed as well. I can understand how that's very clarifying as you and the team think about where to focus your attention. Uh, talk a bit about your role as Chief Information Officer. I mentioned you've been in role for roughly seven and a half years. Uh, talk a bit about what's in your purview, if you would. Absolutely. So in my capacity, um, I'm responsible for everything globally for Zimmer Biomed for information and digital space. Uh, so from back, back office to all the way to front. So in terms of what is my charter and focus, it's about making organization, our organization more efficient, effective, and competitive. And a huge part, as you can imagine, in this day and age, it's, it's done through technology. So that's the scope of responsibilities that I have, anything and everything related to digital. And I mentioned in the introduction that Zimmer Biomed is pivoting to become a healthcare solutions provider. And you've noted in past conversations that you and I have had that a substantial part of that is the enablement of technology. Can you talk a bit about the form that's taken and, and the evolution of that? Absolutely. So, so Peter, by virtue of just a tad bit background for the audience for myself, now it's my 26th year in medical device industry, you know, to be specific. Um, and, and this is an evolution that I believe every medical device company is going through. Historically, if you take a look at it, was, the focus was on purely just the device itself. And so it was a medical device only company. And um, everybody has realized in order to be truly competitive and relevant in this world, you have to be bigger than and more than that. Now, of course, what's your core competency is always at the heart of what you do. But now there are capabilities being built surrounding that to, to for organizations to be more competitive, to have better entrenchment, to provide, provide better service and differentiation uh, from their competition. So in that regard, it's now more than just a medical device company. It's us, uh, similar to many other companies, are wanting to be a healthcare solution provider to some it might sound like a play on word, if you may, medical device versus health healthcare solution, but there is fundamentally a huge difference. Historically, 
most of the medical device company came in contact with the patient at only at the point when their therapies were being deployed. And if you think about healthcare solution, that's much, much bigger sandbox. So now all the way from getting the right people engaged earlier on, way before you even engage them on your therapy, treating them with therapy, taking care of them post-therapy. Now, all of that is now within the scope vis-a-vis of this focus. And a, and a significant portion of that strategy enablement is being done through technology. Um, so uh, I read this in a book, uh, which sort of makes sense to me, uh, this adage of wrapping digits around widgets, if you may, and sort of, sort of catchy, but it makes a lot of sense because now the core capabilities are there and certainly innovation that happens within those core capabilities will continue. But, but smart companies and progressive companies are thinking about how do they wrap around further services and capabilities, as I said, to create market differentiation, disruption potentially uh, as well. So that's, that's, that's where we are. Fascinating journey. Thank you so much for, for articulating that, Zishan. And, and take a moment, if you would, to talk a bit about the changes that this has meant for your organization with a new means of operating, a new new uh, value chain, in essence, for customers, uh, a new, new thought process, presumably around customer experience, especially digitally. Can you talk a bit about some of the building blocks to get to what you just described? So, so it's been an exciting journey. As you, as you said in the introduction, I've been fortunate enough to be part of this professional family for seven and a half years now. Um, and our focus has continued to evolve. Historically, if you take a look at and, and how most organization perceived or thought about IT was a, if I could be crude to use those words, was sort of thought of it as a necessary evil that you need to run day-to-day operations, back office, and, and, but that role has evolved and is continuously evolving and at a pace that is un, unprecedented, quite frankly, and we'll get into those discussions, I'm sure, coming up. Now, in, in specific to your question, so seven and a half years ago, when I became part of this team, Zimmer had acquired Biomed and doubled in size practically overnight. And the entire focus, a substantial amount of our time, energy, went to ensuring that the foundation or core foundational capabilities that are essential for any organization to do business were in place. And, and I'm not talking about things that are differentiation and, you know, in a market or help create differentiation in a marketplace or give you competitive edge. These are basics of capabilities that if you don't have them in place, you are a disadvantage to your competition. So our focus was predominantly bringing the two companies together, ensuring that all the core capabilities, typically like infrastructure, security applications are in place. Now, our evolution, uh, along with the evolution of the organization has continued, as I said, there's tremendous progress being made in terms of capabilities and quite frankly, the art of possible, what's possible, and we have to keep pace with it. So our role has evolved from just taking care of core capabilities, helping organization go through this word being used, overly used sometimes, digital transformation. But for us, it's very real. And what it boils down to is how every functions leverages capabilities and technology to, to make themselves more efficient and more effective and competitive. To now where we're looking at how do we t- apply technology to create, as I said, market differentiation, entrenchment, or disruption. So it's to me, it's sort of a three-phase thing, but now have to be done in peril for any progressive organization or any, any viable organization. 
where you're taking care of core, you're ensuring that digitally you are optimized and then leveraging those capabilities you're building on it further to do all those other things, exciting things in, in the market. What a, what a remarkable pathway it sounds like you and the team have been on to, to deliver what you've just described as well. And I know from our past conversation, Zeeshan, you also talked about the important role that uh, key performance indicators uh, have and play. Uh, and in fact, it's sort of a cultural element to the organization as well. Can you talk a bit about the institutionalization of KPIs as a, as a success factor to drive what you've just described? Absolutely. And so, so it's ingrained in now in our culture, at least in our function, for sure. So, so Peter, I was halfway decent athlete. Uh, growing up. So to use this analogy, I thought growing up, I was the fastest person on the planet till I participated in a race and had somebody somebody to compare myself to. And then I realized very quickly, I'm not as good as I thought I was <laughs> in, in sports. And so it's the same, same applies in professional setting. If you don't know, and there's not a proper mechanism to benchmark yourself, you truly don't know how you're performing. So one of the core capabilities that we implemented are, are functionalities we have implemented is this KPI, key performance indicators. You know, we started with this journey with our board, agreeing with what success looks like, what is the measurement stick that against which will be measured. But we didn't just stop there. We also look at every single area that we are responsible for and then do benchmarking on it to ensure that we are we're optimizing ourselves and, and producing the most value we can at the optimal cost structure. Um, and, and apart from few areas that are very strategic that we believe we need to control and have our hands around, um, anything and everything, quite frankly, that if somebody else can do better, then the question has to be asked, why can't they do it better for you? And then apply our limited resources at more important or more strategic things. So that's the approach we have taken. I can tell you in last uh, seven years, we have benchmarked ourselves uh, six times. And I'm talking absolute to the detail level. This, this might not be the approach that I would recommend others, but because of various reasons, we, had, we have done this. And that gives us a lot of confidence in terms of how we're performing against those benchmarks. But also, there's another element that often gets missed. It's also played tremendous part in building trust with our functional partners because we through those benchmarks can give them complete transparency to our model to our structure and and have them be an active participant in those conversations and and then make appropriate puts and takes as and where needed well articulated again zishan thank you so much for for sharing your perspectives there you spoke about the uh, a moment ago the the investments in the core and in digital optimization as the ingredients to buy you the space to introduce the art of the possible. And uh, certainly among the topics related to the art of the possible is artificial intelligence. And I know that uh, you have been investigating that and as well as introducing it to the organization. And I wonder what conclusions you've drawn on where the value is in leveraging AI in a business like yours. So, so, Peter, we live in very, very exciting time. And quite frankly, I'm, I don't want to overuse this word, but I'm going to again. We're living in unprecedented times, quite frankly. And the space itself is evolving so fast. It's hard to, quite frankly, keep up. So for us, in terms of AI, and everybody's talking about it, but there's very good reasons why everybody's talking about it. You know, um, way back when, when I got my master's in uh, computer science, um, my master's, one of the master thesis was in uh, neural networks and to see and that being 23 some years ago, 
to see how far we have come, it's just mind-boggling, quite frankly. It just uh, it's, seems unreal at times. Uh, to make it more practical, because there's a lot of hype around it too, but, the, but there's no escaping it that this thing is going to be pervasive across any and every aspect of our lives and in, 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 in work setting, any and every function. I can't possibly think of any function that could not benefit from the capabilities that are already available. Forget about what's about to come. So we, we have taken a focused effort in that regard to see that we are maximizing these capabilities wherever applicable, not trying to force fit them, but wherever there's natural fit for it. And, and rather talking abstract, let me just give you a couple of examples. But what I can say at this point with high confidence is there isn't truly any function, you name it, compliance, quality, operations, legal, HR, finance, and I can go on and on, that where we are not actively using these capabilities in some shape or form. And I, I think we all, and I'm sure your audience understands, there are different flavors of AI that exist that are being leveraged. leveraged. So in our case, um, we are actively using it on a help desk. We are already achieved eight FDEs worth of uh, productivity through uh, you know, capabilities that we have deployed. In help desk, we have already crossed 57,000 hours of robotic process automation. Um, and, and what I think is also worth highlighting here is, and the way we're deploying it is to help our teams be more efficient and effective and apply their time to more value-added activities rather than uh, doing the, all the work for them, if that makes sense. So it's not replacing people, it's more so augmenting and, and giving them those capabilities and taking rudimentary stuff away from them so they can focus on high value activities. So similarly, I can again, go on and on and give you examples of that. Now, what I would also tell you is 98% of our use cases today in AI space are focused on efficiency and, and productivity. Um, and less than 2% of them are in areas, if you may, that are truly differentiated or you know, as I said, and could create all those entrenchment disruption in the market. And there's a good reason for that. There, there's a lot of low hanging fruits when it comes to productivity side of the equation, where it's a lot more difficult to do disruption uh, and uh, through innovation. And so, but we are also applying AI in, in such cases where there is a unique business need for our organization, specific to organization and a solution doesn't exist or a partner doesn't exist. So we're, we're having to create a solution leveraging partners uh, and their competencies to address a unique need for us. And I, I wonder also, fascinating as you point out, 98% roughly of activities focused on efficiency and productivity. Do, do you feel as though the, uh, the focus on those areas as the organization continues to build insight and, and muscle around this while also bearing in mind uh, the broader consequences and, and ensuring that this is governed correctly, that that's a pathway towards in, ensuring that as the 2% becomes four or six or eight or 50, as the case may be on the differentiation side, that you're doing so with greater insight and experience along the way as well? Absolutely. So it's easily said than done, but I don't want to give you an impression that we have it all figured out, but absolutely a great question. At a minimum, what we have done is taken first steps in putting some governance around it. Uh, it's like, for instance, adequate use policy, publishing that, making it available, finding what is that optimal balance of restriction or access to such capabilities and, and the negative side exposure because of them to the organization and how to mitigate that 
and what is so it's it's a balancing act as you can appreciate between those things but you're absolutely right um, as as this evolution continues and it's it's bound to um, we need to get ahead of it and think proactively as to what's the most effective way to govern this because while i'm absolutely excited about the potential um, in terms of good it can do for all of us there certainly is a dark side too so very valid point yeah and i i also really uh, appreciate your point zishan on the fact that the use cases the potential value can be realized across the entire organization you reeled off a number of the functional areas where there are going to be and perhaps already are uh, um, ways in which the organization can take advantage of the technology and the value derived from it uh, does that also mean that there are new pathways to partnership and collaboration across the organization as each of those areas can work in partnership with yours to define some of these? How do you think about that that ongoing partnership and collaboration across the enterprise? Another good question. So, so Peter, here's what my experience, what I've seen is preferences and philosophies and perhaps ideologies come into mix. Uh, in answering that question. And what I'm trying to share with you is my perspective on it, quite frankly. I'm a firm believer that you win by playing to your strength. So if there is a partner out there, as I said, who has a certain core competency that you're in need for and the solution has already been developed, if you may, the wheel has been invented, I personally don't think there's tremendous value for us to go and try to reinvent the wheel. It's that much more prudent, cost-effective, efficient, and just commonsensical to leverage those partnerships to expedite your journey, play to your strength, find the right partner who can expedite that journey for you. So I, I envision a world where, not that it's any different today, but a whole different level of collaboration occurs across this spectrum of um, wanting to solve a problem unique to your business or your area in partnership with these experts. And, and so it's sort of think of it as like a puzzle or a Lego Everybody brings their core part that fits well, and then you have a solution that you can take to market in a speedy manner. The reason why my mind went that way, I've been part of many conversations through my tenure where people continue to think that you are so unique or what you do is so proprietary that you cannot and you have to invent. And I'm sure there is some merit in it, but there's a balance in it. What I have seen is whenever you think it truly isn't, then you're spending tremendous amount of valuable resources, as I, in my words, say, on reinventing the wheel. And more often than not, what I've seen and experiences on that path, you are left behind and somebody else beats you to it because you take so much long to create something that already exists. Yeah, yeah. Very interesting points you raised there, Zishan, certainly. Uh, speaking of collaboration, though, in a different vein, your team is remote primarily, operating, I believe it's across 52 countries. Yeah. How do you govern such a team and ensure that there's uh, cultural cohesion uh, across it uh, operating in that manner? Absolutely. And I'm glad you asked that question. So who would have thought, right, about how the world would be and, uh, during COVID? We we had center of gravity in, in core locations before COVID. And then, like everybody else, when COVID happened, um, we have to react to it. Thank goodness we were prepared. And, and that has resulted in, on a daily basis, you know, our team members dialing in from 52 countries um, to conduct work. Um, quite frankly, I wouldn't have envisioned even that being possible if somebody would have asked me that question then. It, it, that's, that's sort of telling and consistent with the discussion, I think, what we're having here. So now to your question, how do we do that? 
first and foremost, um, we have, we spend tremendous time, um, and it's a it's a very focused effort to make sure that everybody in our team, and I don't care what level, what responsibility you have, has absolute clarity on what is our strategy, what is our priority, how do they fit into those strategies and priorities. And that's something that we spend a lot of time ensuring I stand on a regular basis in front of every uh, team member of, be it virtual or, you know, be in person. And I give them that challenge and I say, if you don't know or have, and I mean absolute clarity, I need you to raise your hand or shoot me an email, text, I am, whatever it is, so we can make sure that you have that clarity. And the reason for that is I firmly believe that why, why am I doing something? And having that clarity around that gives you a different level of commitment than simply just producing certain outputs. So, so that's an essential part. The other part of it is, is that's something that I am very passionate, also very passionate about. It's not just the results. How we produce those results is equally important to us. I'm incredibly, I'm going on a tangent. It's going to sound like I'm bragging, but I, I'm very proud of our team and because they have, we live that on a day-to-day basis. It's not just the results that we're incredibly proud of. We're also very proud of creating an environment that we would want to be part of. Now, it doesn't mean we're perfect, but we strive for it every day. An environment that each and every one of us uh, want to be part of, as I said, where we feel like we're valued as individual, where we can bring ourselves, not somebody else, or don't have to be somebody else, be our best self. We feel like we're supported at a minimum, we're heard, and there's they don't have to agree with everyone, but at least there's that dialogue and anybody can connect with anyone and, and expect a response back in a reasonable time where we feel like we, as I said, we can be our best and we have enough runway uh, ahead of us. And in that regard, also our KPIs, going back to the KPI topic, where we have KPIs for that. Um, we're incredibly proud to be recognized as one of the sixth year in a row as one of the best places to work in, in IT. Um, internally, we keep this engagement score, uh, f- our function um, for as long as these engagement scores have been uh, kept. We're incredibly proud that we have the highest by far, and not only within company, um, we use this company called Glint for this benchmarking per their own international uh, uh, global benchmarks. We have the highest engagement score globally. Uh, we've been recognized um, uh, by various organizations in that capacity. We have fortune enough, and uh, thanks to the team, uh, one of the lowest turnover rates. Uh, we're, we're exceeding our diversity metrics. So proud on all fronts. So I, it's all of those things that are just equally important to us. Yeah. Did it, I look your question in this? I got excited. Indeed. <laughs> indeed, you did, Zeeshan. I appreciate that. Uh, I wanted to ask you, when we've talked about a number of, of rising trends, artificial intelligence per- perhaps yeah. being the biggest of them all, as you look to the future, Zeeshan, are there any other trends that excite you uh, that you, you might underscore? So I, I don't see anything, quite frankly, as big as AI, uh, and I'm using that broadly. Uh, quite frankly, I, Peter, um, you know, think now and believe now that most people don't have an appreciation for about, you know, the change that is about to happen vis-a-vis of these breakthroughs that are, that are happening. Um, and, and again, I was just talking to, you know, somebody this weekend, very capable individual, very accomplished individual, and they were telling me that how the industrial revolution, how long it took, 
and then the mechanical, electrical, and, and then the, the internet, how long that took. And, 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 and now with AI, they also believe it's going to be truly revolutionary, but the pace with which this will take place is much shorter period. So I, I think we're just on the very early stages of understanding and comprehending this. Um, again, the more I learn about this, um, and it's, a, again, it's something that I'm very interested in, the more I'm just blown away, quite frankly, in terms of what the potential is, but also at the same time, the dark side of it. And, and I, as I said in the onset of our conversation, I see it impacting any and all facets of our personal and professional life. And, and frankly, within the next 10 years, I'll be shocked if the way we conduct work is not fundamentally different way or change. That's to me is the biggest trend right now. And, and, and it's not something that is too far out for us to not see it, uh, feel it, its impact, it's happening and it's improving on a day-to-day -day basis. You make the case effectively, certainly. I wanted to also ask you, Zishan, as somebody who's been in your role as we've, we've covered uh, for for uh, seven and a half years, another 17 at Medtronic, where you had a number of roles of consequence as well. As you think about your career arc, more generally speaking, what have been the secrets to your success that have led uh, led you to your current role? What have been some of the difference makers along the way that uh, you might call out perhaps for somebody who might wish to walk in your footsteps to some degree? I don't consider them secrets. Um, so I'll share with them freely. Again, I firmly believe none of us do anything alone. Um, so it takes a whole lot of uh, people around you to, to, to get to what perhaps somebody might consider success. And, and it's, that's an absolute. And then as the old adage goes, it takes a village you know, to, to raise a kid. In my case, it's been at least two to three villages. Um, uh, what, but to, to, to sort of summarize it, Peter, what it comes down to, I'm, I'm more, again, as you go through your journey, you, you realize and you read stuff. I'm, a, I'm an avid reader. Um, and I love reading because you learn and benefit from others' experiences where far, you know, people are far smarter than you, um, in my case. And so what, what I firmly believe, ultimately what it comes down to is people and giving them um, the clarity of you know, answering that why for them. Each and every one of us, I, I believe at a core, have a strong desire to be or do something or contribute towards something bigger than us. So once you, once you bring that clarity to them, tie what they're doing to it, give them the resources that they need to be successful on that journey, create an environment around uh, that they feel they belong in, that they can thrive in, that they're valued in, and, and they can quite frankly be themselves, then the magic truly happens. So to me, it's not a secret just of pulling all those uh, ingredients together, uh, being consistent. Um, there's this uh, quote I read somewhere that people don't care how much you know until unless they know how much you care. You have to be consistent. You have to be transparent. You have to you know, truly treat others how you want to be treated and make sure that they are positioned for success and strive them in that direction. So I'm very thankful to every single team member of ours because we don't have any dead weight. Every single team member contributes to what we accomplish, and we're incredibly proud of our journey thus far and where we're heading. Uh, a great response, certainly, Zeeshan. I, I want to thank you so much for a stimulating conversation. 
covering a remarkable journey uh, across your tenure at Zimmer Biomet. And so what, what appears to be some really fascinating areas that you and the team will be focused on uh, in the year ahead as well. Thank you so much for a great conversation. Oh, you, it's, you're very welcome, uh, humbled, and I was excited to speak with you and hopefully it's of some value to you and, and your audience.